If you're able, I'd like to invite you to uh, stand while we uh, read the scripture. Uh, this will be from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. To teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young. Let the wise also hear and gain in learning, and the discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure, this, uh, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Please be seated. Our daughter Hannah recently had to choose uh, a class for a class she was taking at MSU Billings. And we gave her the class options and said, choose something that sounds interesting to you. We realized a couple of days into it that uh, there was a little bit of a problem because there was no class that had yet been chosen. And so we sat down with Hannah, and I use the term we loosely, as I typically do, which means Jerry does everything, and then I get to be inclusive in the story. But we sat down with Hannah, and we said, so what's going on? And, and Hannah confessed that I don't know what any of these classes mean. And I thought, well, this is a chance for me, like a dad, to come right in on my horse and save the day. And so I took the list of the classes, and I started looking at them, and I began to understand why it's kind of hard to understand what these classes mean. Here were some of the class offerings. There was classical sociological theory. There was sociolinguistics. There was kinesiology, and my favorite, sedimentat and stratigraphy, of which I have no idea what any of those things mean either. See, in the process of picking her class, Hannah was doing formally what we are constantly doing anytime somebody is teaching us. When people are teaching us, we are asking questions. We want to know, what is this about? What are we studying? We want to know, what will I learn? We want to know, why does it matter? And what does the teacher expect of us? So we're entering into this new series in Proverbs, and I began to wonder the kinds of questions that you might ask. These questions Solomon will answer, but there's one question before we get to that that I think I need to answer, which is why when we are weeks away from an election, why when we are in the middle of a pandemic, why would we quote unquote waste our time reading a book like Proverbs? Don't we need something that is contemporary and something that is, is applicable to our lives? See, Proverbs is about living well. And I think that this is a day and an age and a time where we need to learn what it means to live well. I think many of us find ourselves near the end of our emotional, our, our physical, our, our social, our spiritual limit. And we just say, I don't know how much more of this I can take. And I think what we need is we need some wisdom that will guide us through this process. And so as I was looking at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, it seemed to remind me of those college syllabuses that we used to get. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen a syllabus, but just as a reminder, a syllabus tells you the topic. It tells you the subjects you're going to study, and it talks about some of the objectives and some of the things that the teacher expects of you. So we're going to look at Proverbs, uh, these first seven verses, and we're going to look at them in the context of a college syllabus. 
So you imagine yourself entering into a college classroom and you sit down and you're thinking, what is this about? What is it that we're studying? And the teacher introduces himself and he says, for those of you who do not know me, I'm Solomon, king of, uh, son of David, king of Israel. And the class that you are enrolled in is a class called Proverbs. There's a freckled-faced 17-year-old girl who raises her hand and says, why should I take this class called Proverbs? What will I learn if I take the class? What does it matter to me and my life? And the teacher, Solomon, then gives the class objectives. For learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. Somebody wonders, why should I care about wisdom? And I think the teacher's answer would be, do you agree that life can be difficult? Do you agree that there are times and occasions in life where the, the, the solution, where the option, where the right thing to do isn't always so obvious or evident? And if we think that life is difficult, then we need the class of wisdom, if I were in that class, I would remember back to when I was in the ninth or the 10th grade and somebody stole something from the teacher. And everybody in the class knew who it was and the teacher came back and she was upset and she said, somebody tell me who stole it. And we're all held hostage until someone finally confessed. And I didn't know whether I should be the person to stand up and to say, he did it. I knew if I did that, I would gain some trust and respect with the teacher. But I knew also if I did that, I might lose some trust and respect with my classmates. And I didn't know what the right thing to do was. Proverbs is written for times and places when we don't know what the right thing to do is. And how do we learn? We learn by the way of wisdom. So the teacher might ask us, what do we need to navigate difficult parts of life? And the answer, of course, is wisdom. Wisdom can be defined as life skills for living. And I would add the word, well, we need to learn the skill of living well. I think one of the things that we all need to acknowledge and confess is that it is possible to get older without getting wiser. Ever met someone? I, my youngest is 11 years old. And I'll just let you know, I've met some older people who are much more immature than my 11-year-old. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you exactly the people right now I see who are, no, I'm not going to do that. But we realize there are some people, they don't get wise, they just get old. So being old is not what is necessary for wisdom. It is, it is going through life, learning the things that we need to learn. And we don't want to be people who get old. We want to be people who gain wisdom. So wisdom will be, uh, it will teach us that sometimes there's a time to speak, but sometimes there's a time to be silent. Wisdom will teach us that sometimes if you follow the pathway of wisdom, you're going to avoid getting into some pretty big messes in your life. Wisdom will also give you tools to navigate out of some of those messes that you've managed to get yourself into. Wisdom is important for all of us. And I think especially in this day and age and time, we need a lot of wisdom to know what the right thing to do is in the right way to act and behave. So getting back to the question about wisdom, we find that there are three elements necessary for wisdom. There is a rational or cognitive element. There is an emotive or relational element. And then there is a moral element. So we're going to talk with, start with the rational or cognitive 
element. To be wise, you have to be able to understand words of insight. You have to be able to discern. You have to be able to understand Proverbs, figures, words of the wise, and riddles. Now, the good news is this. You don't have to be smart to be wise, but you do have to have some smarts to be wise. Um, if a person lacks the ability to cognitively process things, it will be very difficult for that person to be wise in the way that Proverbs speaks of wisdom. And I know in saying that, that can be a turnoff to some of us if, if we have uh, friends or family members who have cognitive disabilities. Uh, Jerry has a younger foster brother named John, and John has fetal alcohol effect, and he is cognitively limited. John can love God and love God's people. John can teach me about what it means to be a Christian. There's much that I can learn from John. But in terms of how wisdom is introduced, in terms of the kind of leadership that people will do through wisdom, that sort of thing is limited to those who have the ability to do some cognitive processing. Wisdom also requires some relational awareness, some, some emotional awareness, uh, what we might today call emotional intelligence. Proverbs 1.3, for gaining instruction in wise dealings. Have you ever seen somebody who is really wise in their dealings with people? I mean, the way that they say things and the way that they approach things, there's so much wisdom there. Or on the other hand, have you ever been around somebody who just, man, how do they manage to always say it in the absolute worst way possible? We need to learn wise dealings. One of the uh, I, I guess blessings or, or privileges of my ministry is I sometimes get to do premarital counseling with couples. And in one session in particular, I have only one job to do at the beginning of the session, which is to make them mad at each other. I, I have to get them to fight. And so I have to figure out what the buttons are. And then I get to watch them fight. And it's really fun. It, it's a really cool thing to do. I recommend it sometimes. Just push people's buttons and watch them react. And the reason I do that is because sometimes when people get angry, they don't have wisdom anymore. And somebody will, when they're angry, they will say something, and, and it's almost just cringeworthy about how badly they managed to say what they were trying to say. And then I get to call a timeout. And I say, let's ask ourselves, is there a better way you can communicate what you're trying to communicate? Now, typically it's the man who struggles to communicate this in a very good way. And we ask, is there a better way to do that? Because that's what's required of wisdom to have this sense of relational awareness of emotional awareness and to know how people react when we say things. Wisdom also has a moral element. See, the point of wisdom is not just so that you can do things up here or that you can do things in here, but it's so that you can live in a certain kind of way. If you look at the syllabus of, of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 through 7, I think that you could easily make the case that the culmination of wisdom comes when one practices righteousness, justice, and equity there in verse 3. That, 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 that for a person to be wise, they're going to begin to live and to function in these sort of ways. But who should enroll in this class? What kind of students will do well in the class of Proverbs? And, and I guess I, I, I wonder how much work is involved? I mean, is wisdom something we're going to get through an easy process, or is there going to be a difficult process involved here? And the teacher of Proverbs will say that he's really only encountered three students in his entire life when it comes to wisdom. And he's going to introduce us to those three students. The first are called the wise. 
Proverbs 1, 5 through 6. Let the wise also hear and gain in learning, and the discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So do you remember how we talked about the objectives of Proverbs? It is for gaining instruction. And who is the one who will gain instruction? It is the wise. The wise are those who will take what is learned and they will gain it because of their hearing that they give to it. But how does a wise person get this learning or this education? Proverbs, we find out, is for learning about wisdom and instruction. But maybe the NIV word is best where it speaks of it as discipline. Wisdom comes by the means of discipline. And we are not talking about self-discipline. Self-discipline is looking at a donut and saying, I'm not going to eat that donut. We are talking about an external force of discipline. In fact, one Bible scholar, he looked at this word discipline that's used in Proverbs. He says, discipline is acquired through verbal rebuke. He goes on to say, there is a threat of punishment in the word. So if you want wisdom, the first question you have to ask yourself is, am I willing to be verbally rebuked? How do I do when people correct me, when people address me, when people challenge me? Because if I want to get wisdom, I need to be willing to go through that painful process of being challenged and corrected and rebuked. And most people, when they see what's involved in the process of getting wisdom, would say, you know what, I would rather you just don't correct me. I would rather you just don't re rebuke me. And as a result, I'm the exact same person. I have not gained any wisdom. I think about wisdom like the tests for COVID right now. And if those of you who have had it have explained, they take this big, long Q-tip, right? And they stick it up your nose and they're looking almost for brain matter and they pull it out. And the question is, isn't there a better way to test for COVID? And the answer is no. If you want the test results, that's the process you have to go through. And wisdom is the same way. If you want wisdom, you can say, hey, can I take the, the, the casual, the easy pathway to wisdom? And the writer of Proverbs is going to say, no. If you want wisdom, you need to go through this pathway. And so the wise, the wise, they will embrace the discipline. They will learn. They will gain wisdom. But there's a second group of students that the teacher has encountered, and this group is called the fool. Proverbs 1, 7, the second part, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do you remember what the book of Proverbs is about? The purpose of Proverbs is for learning about wisdom and instruction, but the fools despise those things. So the fool is the kid who shows up at class because his parents are making him go to college. The fool is the person who rarely ever goes to class. When he does go to class, he's checking social media or she's having a nap through the class because they have no interest in this knowledge. They despise it, in fact. And here's one of the things we'll learn from Proverbs about fools is you cannot make fools wise. If fools want to be foolish, no, no matter how much you try to force feed them, they will remain foolish until they see value in wisdom. So the writer of Proverbs will not often try to address or cajole fools. He will simply acknowledge that they're there and he will teach the wise to look at the fools as an example of what not to be. I think you're more likely to force feed a 275 pound weightlifter than you are to get a fool to understand wisdom. There is a third group of students. These are called in Proverbs by the term of either the simple or the naive or the young, or sometimes even the gullible. 
Proverbs 1, 4, to teach shrewdness to the simple and knowledge and prudence to the young. And much of the Proverbs is directed to this group that's sitting on the fence. They're not wise. They're not foolish. They're needing to decide which way am I going to live? Am I going to accept uh, the, the way of wisdom or am I going to embrace the way of folly? And so, so much of Proverbs is about getting these simple ones, these youth, these naive, these gullible ones to come to accept the truth of wisdom. So a few examples, Proverbs 8, 5. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Or Proverbs 9, 6, lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. See, whether a person is, is wise or simple or a fool is not a fixed reality. The simple can become wise, but the simple can also embrace the ways of folly. How do you know which way you're going to go? It depends on what you do with the instructions that are given in Proverbs. It depends on your willingness to be disciplined. So Proverbs is for everyone, but there's never been a foolish person who ever enrolled in the class of Proverbs in past. But for the simple and for the wise, there is an opportunity for growth. But if you're going to take a class, you might wonder, what's the premise of the class? I mean, what's, what's the summary of the class? What am I going to learn? And this is answered in Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is the motto of the book. This is the purpose of the book. This is what the book is all about. But you can imagine a kid putting his hand up saying, okay, well, then what is the fear of the Lord? And if we approach that question like we typically do, here's what we usually do. We, we, we put it on the surgical table and we cut the word in half. And we say, okay, we've got the fear over here and we've got the Lord over here. And so let's figure out what fear means. Let's figure out what the Lord means. And then we're going to know what it means by the fear of the Lord. Now, let's imagine we took that process and applied it to another word called butterfly. Cut that word in half. You've got butter over here and you've got fly over here. If we figure out what fly means and we figure out what butter means, then we now know what butterfly means, right? No. There are some words that is of no value for us to dissect the individual parts. We have to look at the thing as a whole. And I would suggest that the fear of the Lord is one of those phrases that we're better looking at as a whole and in its use of Scripture. And so I'm going to, there's many, many places in Scripture. I'm just going to point out four places where we can learn something about the fear of the Lord. First of all, the fear of the Lord, it refers to moral living. Genesis 20, 11 says, there is no fear of God in this place. And so what he's saying there is people are not living righteousness or with justice or with equity, which means fear of the Lord must clearly be absent. Fear of the Lord also includes loving God. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13 says, what does the Lord require of you? It mentions fear of the Lord. And then just a few lines later, it says, and to love him. So to fear the Lord means to love him. That's encapsulated in the notion of fear. The phrase also indicates an objective relationship that needs to be taught. Psalm 34, 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is something that can be taught and is something that can be learned in a classroom setting. And the fear of the Lord, we learn from Proverbs 22, 4, is parallel to the word humility. And so there's all sorts of other things we can do, but I see the fear of the Lord as a worldview of sorts. In fact, I like what Tremper Longman does. He takes the fear of the Lord and he summarizes it by three key points. He says, first of all, the fear of the Lord is to stand in a subservient position to him. 
It is to acknowledge one's dependence upon him and it is to recognize that there is no true knowledge without reference to him. To fear the Lord is a way we look at the world. It's a way we understand what's valuable, what's important, what's true, and what's real. Now, I hope you've already figured this out. But the class I've been talking about is this very class here. We're getting ready to study Proverbs. And we each need to decide what kind of student are we going to be. We have three options, right? You can be the fool. If you want to sleep through this entire sermon series, I'm not going to stop you. Your parents may stop you. Your neighbor may stop you. Somebody may give you an evil glare, but I'm not going to stop you. If you want to pull out your phone and look at your social media through the whole entire thing, fools are allowed to be fools in Proverbs. Or maybe you can choose the way of wisdom. Well, one of the principles of Proverbs is you will get what you're willing to give. Those who seek to gain instruction will. Those who hear will. And then maybe the most important group is for the simple to decide. Maybe by the end of this series, I hope you will decide, am I going to choose the way of wisdom or am I going to choose the way of folly? Because by the end of Proverbs, we're going to find there's two pathways. And those who are simple, those who are young have to choose which of these two pathways am I going to be on? But I want you to be sure that you realize that Proverbs has a lesson and a message for us, whether we're young or whether we're old. Sometimes I think it's easy to say, well, hey, I'm, I'm old. I have the wisdom that I need to have. But I think Proverbs will keep teaching us even when we're old. And to illustrate that, I'm going to introduce you to two old men. Uh, the first is a guy by the name of J.I. Packer. J.I. Packer, when he was 90 years old, said, life is like a piece of fruit. No, it wasn't Forrest Gump. It was J.I. Packer. Life is like a piece of fruit. He says there's three kinds of fruit in life. The first is the unripened fruit. If you've ever tried to eat fruit before it was ripe, you will find that it is acidic, it is hard, and it is not pleasurable at all. There are some of us that what wisdom needs to do is it needs to address us in our unripeness, that, that, that we're young, that we need to learn things from wisdom. We need to grow and develop into the process of wisdom. And Packer says that there is a second kind of fruit. This is the ripe fruit. It is soft, it is sweet, it is juicy. It's very enjoyable to have that. And so you might think that those are the only two dangers. You know, once, you're, once you've aged a little bit, then now you don't need to worry because you're not unripe fruit anymore. You, you've had some life experience, you've gained in some wisdom, and so now maybe the only option is for you to be the ripe fruit. But J.I. Packer says at the age of 90, you need to know there's a third kind of fruit. And the third kind of fruit is what he calls rotten fruit that which is soggy and discolored and has nothing appealing to it. And wisdom wants to keep us in this state of perpetual ripeness. For the young, they need to learn what it means to mature. But for the old, it means, how do I age well? And that's where it makes me think of a second person, an old man I want to introduce you to who's 80 years old, George MacDonald. He's a former preacher. Uh, and he said that when he was in his 50s, he was troubled by the old men in his life. And he says, and I'm quoting from him now, I started looking around at the older men around me, and I didn't like them. If I had an extra ticket to go to Fenway Park or to watch the Red Sox, there was not many of these older men that I wanted to take with me. What he was saying was many of the older men in his life were rotten. 
that, that life had taken its toll on them and that they no longer lacked the kind of wisdom. And so McDonald said he asked himself this question when he was 50, which is what kind of an older man do I want to be? And I think that's really the question of Proverbs. What kind of an older man, what kind of an older woman do you want to be? Proverbs is about the ripeness of life, learning the skill of living life well and navigating life well. So my prayer is that we go through the class that you will choose to embrace these words as the words of wisdom that will seek the ripeness of life. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And as we enter back into the world, say, Greg, we've heard this a thousand times. Good. You need to hear it one more time. We go with the love of God, with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.